I'm Dermot Hussey. Welcome to Riffin Radio, the podcast. It's a collection of interviews with artists from various genres, spanning three decades and giving more context to the music we love. He made the saxophone dominant in pop music with a horse driving style. Junior Walker was a Motown star with a string of hits and leader of the Junior Walker All-Stars. I spoke to Junior Walker in Jamaica in 1995. Autry DeWalt Jr. That name has a ring to it. Also seems to have a history, does it? Yes, it does. Uh, I was gave away when I was a kid, uh, a small, you know, small little boy coming up. My mother let a lady take me, and the lady uh, gave me the name Autry, which my name was Oscar, but she gave me the name Autry DeWalt. I named me after her, and uh, from that I just started growing up. I, she, I was born in Blasville, Arkansas, and uh, the lady taken me to Luxola, Arkansas, and raised me for a while. And I, I think I grew to about, I'd say, 14. I left Arkansas and went to uh, uh, Chicago and stayed with my auntie. And uh, I moved into there, stayed with her, and that's where I got up on most of the guys is playing uh saxophones. Uh, you know, Prez was playing in different clubs, they called him Prez. Lester Young. Yes, yeah, Lester Young. Ernie Cobbs, all them different guys was blowing the horns around. And uh you could you know, I could hear them, but I couldn't get in those clubs. You know, I was too small. Then I moved to uh where my mother was. I caught up with her. She was in uh South Bend. I moved to South Bend and uh, started staying with her. And that's where I, <clears throat> I used to listen to all the old records. And uh, I picked up on a lot of uh, cats blowing saxophone. Eleanor Jaquette, he was blowing. Uh, I'd say uh, uh, Boots Randolph, that's where I heard uh, Yakety Sax. And then there was a guy had a nice, they had a little band together, and I used to go over and listen to them every Sunday. And uh, then they gave me the name Walker, Junior Walker, because mm. I walked to school most of the time. And uh, my stepfather's name was uh, Roosevelt Walker. Do you ever wonder whether the saxophone chose you rather than you choosing the saxophone? Well, I, I tried... Uh, two or three different instruments. I tried uh, piano, I tried uh, guitar. You know, I played on them a little bit and messed with them. But I just seemed to like the sax better. And uh, George Mason was blowing his horn, and he had an extra horn. And he told me, he said, try it. Pick it up and blow it. And I picked it up and I blowed it. And one of the guys was with me said, man, you know you blowed that horn. He said, how did you do it? I said, I don't know. I just blowed it. <laughs> and he, he said, and uh, George didn't really have to show me too much, you know. 
He just showed me where to put my fingers on the keys. And after that, I I watched him to how he tucked his lip up under, and I did the same thing, and I just started blowing. So it was almost like a natural gift. It was a oh blowing the sax. Oh, blowing the sax. Yes, it was a gift. It's a real gift. I think that's from God. In those days, was jazz an option, or was it R and B for you? It didn't matter. Whatever I wanted to play, I could play it. I could just, if I wanted to play uh, jazz, my mind was set on it. I started playing it, but I'm, I'm, I picked it for a while, and uh, then I started playing R and B because R and B, you know, they was making more money at that. Which I went to a blues club and got on the stage with a guy named Booker played uh, blues. They paid more money then for you, you know, for to play blues than they did jazz, but. Uh, I was learning to play jazz because my mind was set for jazz. But uh, and <clears throat> what was really happening, I had a big family, see. And uh, as the kids was growing, I had to feed them. And wasn't too many jobs around. You know, it was hard to get a job. So I started playing the blues. And that's how I ended up in uh, R&B. How did you actually do your first recording? Uh, I recorded with a, a guy the first time I did. He just got me to do some stuff. And uh, then I met Johnny Bristol. And uh, he taken me to uh, Harvey Fuqua. And they listened to what, Harvey listened to what we was doing. And he said, you're so smooth with it, you know. He, he, and he said, uh, rock and roll has got to be, you know, rocking and not real smooth. And so he made up his mind. He said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead on and cut, you know, something on you anyway. And uh, we just did uh, Cleo's Mood. When we did Cleo's Mood, and then he did another thing on us called uh, Twist Like I Wanna. We did, you know, two or three tunes, and he put them out, and they made a hit. And at that time, instrumental music wasn't really popular. Most people were into, you know, vocals. Yeah, they was mostly jump music. They was mostly into vocals and singing. I think at the time I started, Marvin Gaye had out a stubborn kind of fella. He had that record out, and uh, we started just. I just blew the songs, and whatever I blowed, it was it went over pretty good. Your first big hit, I believe, was Shotgun. Yeah, well, the biggest thing we had before Shotgun was Cleo's Mood. Okay. It it uh, broke in the charts, but I think Harvey didn't didn't have the backing that he should have had for promotion. Yeah, he could he couldn't keep up with it, you know. But the next thing we did was Monkey Jump, and it broke out pretty good. And then we did Shotgun, and Shotgun took over. How did you get that kind of title for a tune? The kids was dancing in this little club. Uh, called El Grotto. As a famous club, apparently it was a dangerous club. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough club, yeah. And uh, they was doing the shotgun, and they asked me to do a, to do a tune on it. And I sat down and uh, wrote the word shotgun. I put it together, and the uh, band played with us. We, we did the thing, and we took it to uh, Barry, and he put me down as a writer. Hmm. What was he like to work with, Barry Gordy? He was real good. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't a bad guy. He was nice, you know, because he was really looking for hits. 
He didn't have time for arguments and this is not right and that's not right. He just wanted some hits. He said, whatever it takes to get the hit, get me a hit. Bring a hit in here. That's what he would say. I love to hear, you know, he, I love to get a hit. And he knew what a hit was like. Oh, yeah. He knew what was going on. He, he kept me to myself. He said, uh, leave Junior to himself. A lot of people, we, we want to uh, uh, produce him. We want to do this with him. We want to do that with him. He said, no, y'all leave him alone. <laughs> he said, let him come in and do what he want to do and just get out of his way because whatever he doing, it'll be all right, you know. So I just walk up to the microphone and they turn it on and we just go and get to see it. So that mean in f meant, in fact, that you had a great deal of independence within Motown. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I just come in and record whenever I feel like it. I just come in and tell them I'm coming in and go in and put some stuff down. Mm. Was your work with Johnny Bristol the turning point in, of your career? Some of it was. Uh, the first time we got together, uh, he was wanting to produce a lot of things on me. I think how sweet it is, he wanted to do it a different way. And Harvey Fuqua grabbed him in the studio and said, let that boy play it the way he want to play it. <laughs> he said, just stand back, let him alone. So he pulled him back, said, let that guy go, man, because I think he'd do it, you know, the way we, we probably wouldn't do it, but I think he would do it the right way. So I did it, and then I think Johnny came to me then with a puckle up buttercup and said, how would you do this, you know, you know see how I would do it. Then after that, Johnny wrote, uh, uh, what does it take to win your love? So he put that together because he could understand what I was doing then. And uh, I just, I didn't blow it that first year. He came back the next year with it. And he was standing there looking at me, and we was doing Hip City, I think. And he, I said, what's what's happening? He said, waiting on you to do this tune. I said, oh, man. He said, he wanted me to do it. You know, it was a slow tune. I really didn't want to do slow tune. So I went on and did uh, uh, What Does It Take to Win Your Love? And it was a big hit. Then uh, he came to me with these eyes, and I did that, and that was a big hit. And Johnny came to me with uh, "Someday We'll Be Together," and I didn't. I had did so many tunes that day, I didn't really want to do it. I said, "Well, let let the Supremes do that one." I, I said, "Down Ross, brother." I said, "Let Down Ross do it." He said, "Okay, one of these days you're gonna listen to old Brits." <laughs> <all he would. laughs> And it went on to be a big hit for them, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a big hit. After I got home and heard it, I said, my goodness, it, it was, I think that was a But you, you seem something. to have had a, a great working relationship with, with Johnny Bristol. He's such a nice man, so easy. Was that what it was, a good working relationship? Yeah, we had a pretty good relationship. We didn't, we didn't have too many uh, arguments. Uh, if he was doing a tune and I said, well, I think I should sing it like this. And he listened to it. He said, yeah, go ahead and see what you can do with it then. And we'd hit it off, and that would be it. Mm. It work out pretty good. Have you ever thought of the fact that, I mean, you had close to 20, if not more than 20, instrumental hits? Which I think it's very unusual for, for an instrumentalist in pop music to have so many hits, instrumental hits. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm probably going to have to... Uh, blow a few more just to see how <laughs> see how it come out you know uh yeah we did i did some things with whitfield and i blowed uh norman whitfield uh, yeah i did a, a thing with norman whitfield 
And uh, I got an instrumental hit off a, a tune with him, too, a slow tune. And uh, I haven't blowed anything since then. Mm. Have you changed your style to adapt to the music of today? Are you still playing the same Junior Walker style? I can play either way. I play, uh, I think I change, sometimes I change uh, the way I want to change. I don't try to adapt to them because most of the people that's playing, uh, they started doing things we was already doing. We had been doing a lot of things that I hear uh, some of them doing today. Uh, they own the style of what we was doing. Uh, some things I listen to, I can, uh, you know, I can play what they're playing if I want to. But I more or less kind of stay in my own style. Mm. I like the way I be doing my own things because I do different things, you know. What about the music today as against the music of that great era in Motown? How, how, do, you, how do you compare them? How do you feel about them? Oh, it's good. music is good. I love the way they're doing a lot of things. Uh, I did like some of the rapping. You know, I liked some of them things. But, you know, the, back then, they was already doing the raps. Uh, Marvin Gaye was doing rapping before it even came in. He was doing it on a lot of different things. And uh, a lot of people doing rapping as it was coming along. But they, they just brought it out more stronger. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> People is doing the same thing they always been doing, <laughs> but a lot of people haven't noticed it until they bring it out more, more better. You know, then you can hear it better. Of all the artists that you met and associated with at Motown, which one of them impressed you the most? Well, Marvin Gaye. He 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 brought a lot of things out. Uh, I liked the things he was doing. You know, and uh, Temptations. Uh, well. Uh, uh, Whitfield was producing the Temptations on some nice things. I liked it them too. I liked and Stevie. I mm-hmm. liked a lot of things he was doing. You know, mm-hmm. Stevie was doing his own thing. And yes, some of sir. the things he was doing was real great. You know, and uh, most of the most of them that was there, I enjoyed all of the music working with them because I did a lot of their tunes over, like Diana Ross. I did some of her things over, and uh, I enjoyed all you know working with all of them. So I couldn't say no one, just one person, just one person. I couldn't say it, mm-hmm. you know, because I liked all of the work with all of them. And, uh, but Marvin, he was kind of out in front. Then I listened to uh, Bob Marley, and I liked him, too. He wasn't at Motown, though. I liked him. And I listened, you know, the most people that uh, I was listening to, uh, I just liked them. Mm. Have you any plans to do any Caribbean Jamaican material? Yeah, I was just thinking on that when I came in. I think I should do some, uh, get off into, you know, a lot of people want me to do a lot of different things. They want me to blow church songs. They want me to do a, do, a guy asked me to do some of Bob Marley's tunes, you know. Where, so, in the United States? Yeah. He said, why don't you do a few of them tunes just to mm-hmm. see what it's, what it's like, you know. I said, oh, I can do them if I want to really do them. Then I went started going to church, and uh, the lady said, I just want you to blow uh, some of those church songs for me. Just blow me some of them, you know. I said, mm-hmm. okay, I said, I'll probably end up doing it. She said, don't probably do it. 
<laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> lady said, really get down. Blow me a few of them. Just blow me some of them. What took you back to the church? Uh, oh, well, uh, my sons came to me and prayed for me. And uh, Why, had, were you ill? Yeah, I had cancer. And uh, they got that stuff up off of me. And when they got it up off of me, uh, they came to me with a, a, a book, you know, a Bible, and said, you haven't been looking at the Bible or studying the Bible. I said, no. And they gave me the Bible. And I said, you know, some of these words, is uh, it's hard to understand. And uh, then they got me a tape with a thing so I can listen to the Bible. And then I can sit and listen and learn to read and understand the Bible more better. And I started doing that. And then they told me, said, now it's time for you to start going to church. So I started going back to church. And that's why I ended up in there meeting different people at the church. And uh, they was saying, some of them were saying, I was wondering when you was coming in. We were just waiting on you. And that's where the music began. Yes, that's where it was. Because when I was uh, little and was a lady used to take me, Miss Vernon used to take me to church. Uh, I I was I think I heard some of the blind guys sing. I don't know if Ray Charles was in that or not. I think he was. Yeah. I yeah. heard them, and I heard some old, you know, uh, spiritual singers. They was really getting down in those days, and I used to sit and listen to that, and I enjoyed it. Thank you, Junior Walker. Thank you. You've just heard Junior Walker. Part 2 of a three-part history of Motown. Join us again next Friday for Part 3 featuring Harvey Fuqua. Thanks for listening to Riffin Radio with Dermot Hussey. Be sure to like us and subscribe. We put out a podcast a week. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at R-I-F-F-I-N Radio. Facebook Dermot Hussey and check out our YouTube channel Riffin Radio. <laughs>